Hey, hey, welcome back to the show where keeping it real goes right. Welcome back to Real Take Sports Talk live here on YouTube. We've got a wonderful show planned for you. We got beef between two former and one current New York head, New York Jets head coach, Rex Ryan versus Robert Sala in a grudge match that I would very much love to see. We also got news from the NBA. Are the Warriors the best team in the entire Western Conference? We're also going to be talking about the, the New York Jets, as I mentioned, and a name change coming to Staples Center. We'll get Andrew's thoughts on that as as we end an era in, in basketball and sports history. Not the only era ended in, in, over there in LA. I think there's a certain, certain, certain somebody who uh, might, might be on his way out, especially with these rule changes. He might be on his way out sooner rather than later. Well, we'll definitely get Andrew's irrational thoughts about LeBron James and many, many more topics about sports today. But before we get to any of that, please hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Also, be sure to check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Andrew, how you doing? First first and foremost, how you doing? Doing pretty good, dude. It's lonely at the top, but, you know, I keep myself company. Was that was was that a reference to the Titans being uh, number uh, one in the AFC? I've I've waited. I think I've waited. My I don't think we've ever been number one in the AFC. I don't think we've ever been number one of the power rankings ever. Because I'm pretty sure in, in 2008 was the last time we were anything close to number one. The Giants actually edged us out. So well, that's yeah, they were they were like defending champions. That's why. Yeah, yeah. So so I'm pretty sure my entire life we actually have never been number one. You've so always I'm, you've always been a Bono. You've always been number two. So it felt good. I woke up this morning. It's lonely at the top, though, you know? Uh, well, uh, don't worry. You, you'll have company. You'll have company Listen. soon enough whenever whenever the Ravens decide to actually run the ball with one of our running backs, not named Lamar Jackson. You'll, hey, you'll, listen, yeah. you got a running back playing quarterback. We got a wide receiver playing quarterback. It's a new era of football. It really is. It's a new era. Yes, it is. And it was, actually, Andrew. That, that's a great segue into our uh, first topic it, it, it was a new era in New York. We got beef in the Big Apple. Rex Ryan is sick of the comparisons. Rex Ryan is sick of the talk. Rex Ryan is sick of people saying that Robert Sawa is the next Rex Ryan. We're going to hear from Rex Ryan, who was on ESPN Radio and just absolutely popped off. You could tell this really got to him. Let's take a listen to what Sexy Rexy had to say supposed to be a defensive guru i heard everything and, and i take it personal on this one everything i heard about was well this guy's a lot like a lot like myself but without the the bad part yeah well some of the bad part you need and don't ever compare this guy to me this robert Sala to me because statistically one time they were like a top defense all right four out, here's one thing they're going to be familiar with Four out of five years, the 49ers were dead last in their division. So he's going to be dead last again. So he's used to that. So to me, I'm a little pissed off about it when, when I hear that this guy, you know, his background's a lot, lot like yours. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Quit trying to tell the New York fan base that he's going to be like me as a defensive-minded guy or whatever. Salty Rexy right there. You heard from Rex Ryan. Just not holding back in the slightest, just just going for the jugular on Robert Sala. But hey, Robert Sala is a big man, and he responded uh, as well on, um, I believe, it was the Michael K show. So let's take a listen to what uh, Robert Sala, the current coach of the New York Jets, had to say about that. 
Honestly, you know what? I've never met Rex. I've never had a conversation with Rex. I don't even know him except for people who know him throughout the league. So obviously if it's that personal for him, he knows where to find me. So Were you surprised that he said it? Oh, I'm not surprised by him. He's he's always got something to say. Oh my god. So Robert Sala and Rex Ryan, they're embroiled in this beef and if you thought that wasn't enough people, check out this tweet from the brother of Robert Sala. David Sala took to Twitter to say this. Rex Ryan took over a good Mangini roster. Eric Mangini, the coach before Rex Ryan, won with it the first two years and then lost with his own roster every year after. The only person making comparisons is you in an effort to stay relevant. Stick it. Oh, my God. Stick to eating cheese and burgers, clown. Oh, cheeseburgers, clown. Okay, um, look, there's a lot going on, Andrew. Uh, obviously, Rex Ryan isn't happy with people, I, I assume, are comparing him to Robert Sala. Robert Sala isn't happy with Rex Ryan basically calling him out and, and thinking that he's better. And David Sala is definitely not happy. What do you make of all of this? Well, first of all, I love it, dude. Anytime we get beef like this, I love I love beef like this, dude. This is between the Morris brothers going at it with the with the Jokic brothers, and now we got the Sala brothers going at the Ryan brother. I I I love it, dude. He's he's not wrong though. Sal Sala's not wrong though, and Sala's brother isn't wrong though. You know, as much as Rex Ryan did have that success in New York, you have to think about it from the perspective of he he's not wrong. Like he took a roster that was built by somebody else, maximized it, and then when it came time to having to rebuild his own roster, he, he, you know, the jets are just as bad now as they were when Rex Ryan left. So, you know, you, you have to think about it from that perspective. He's not wrong. And Sala, Sala inherited, basically he inherited what Rex Ryan essentially left because they really haven't changed since Rex Ryan left. It's been the same jets. They've, they've, st- they've still sucked. So Sala is essentially trying to dig out of the hole that Rex Ryan left them in. That's a deep ass hole though. Deep, deep ass hole. To quote uh, Paul Allen, the the former, uh, I think he was like the president of the Washington football team, the culture is actually damn good, is what a lot of Jets fans were saying when uh, when after the Rex Ryan era ended. They were like, Rex Ryan, no matter what, how it ended, he set a culture of winning and determination. How many wins have they had since that culture of winning and determination happened, Andrew? Not many games. Not many games. Look, Rex has got a point here. Robert Sala is a defensive-minded guy, and he was heralded as this amazing defensive guru. Since he's taken over, things have not been well. Granted, we're like, what, eight, nine games into the season at this point? Yeah, things are not going to be good because it's a shitty football team. The New York Jets are a bad football team with bad players on a bad defensive roster. What do you think is going to happen? And it's not like they have the offense to counter, counteract that. Uh, the, the, the great white shark, uh, Mike White, was, not able, was only able to last for one game. Now we got Flacco in there starting, all right? So that shows you where this offense is. Defensively, they still rank at the bottom of, of the league, but that has to do with how bad this, this defense uh, and this roster is. Like, so I think Rex Ryan is kind of out of pocket. I don't know why he would get mad. I don't understand. You don't coach for the team anymore. You don't, it's not like you're going to get that job again. Maybe he is mad that he's not coaching. Maybe that's it. 
I just don't understand what incentivized wrecked, other than the fact that maybe he doesn't like he he just maybe he actually thinks that poorly of Robert Sala. Like it just doesn't make sense. Like why would he? Like why would he come out and say this? He he. I think he's just jealous, dude. Like I think he's he's pissed off that you know Sala. Sala took over, and they thought, you know, okay, they're bringing in a defensive coach. Remember, they they just moved off of the the quote unquote uh, the quarterback whisperer um, to bring in this defensive. He's supposed to be like this defensive wonder boy, and he's uh, he hasn't been. But like like you were just saying before, dude, like the roster, especially when it comes to like the roster itself, is just not good. If you look at their draft, yeah, they drafted a lot of like a lot of like unheralded late round defensive players. But if you're going to set a foundation and everything like that, you know, you can't draft what three or four offensive weapons with your first four picks and then expect, Oh yeah. You know, we could just plug in six and seventh rounders uh, on the defense and expect it to gel right away. Like you can't even, even, you know what I'm saying? Like even um when he was in San Francisco, like when he was in San Francisco, yeah, they they had they might have ranked, they might have finished last in that division. But look at look at the offensive guys he's going up against in that division too. Like he's you know you got Kyler Murray, um he had I mean McVeigh he's got he's got a game plan against McVeigh and uh, Russell Wilson. So it's not like he was it's not like he was going up against like like bad off bad offensive coaches or bad quarterback like he was going up against like explosive offenses so you're going to give up points um when you're in the uh nfc west but you know they gotta they should have taken the approach that matt rule took when when matt rule got the job at carolina and carolina is still a work in progress we get that but carolina from when he took over to what they are now they have trended upward and it's because he made it abundantly clear when we like, we're gonna we're gonna fix this defense first, and then we're gonna focus on the offense. We're gonna fix the defense first, and then we're gonna slowly bring in offensive pieces around it and make it gel. That's what the Jets should have done. You know, give this guy some weapons, dude. This guy had what Joey Bosa or Nick, one of them. He had Joey Nick or Bosa. Nick Bosa. He had, he had Nick Bosa. Uh, he had Nick Bosa. Like he had some studs in in San Francisco. Now he's got what C.J. Mosley. Who hasn't even been that good this he's year? Got, he's got CJ Mosley, who basically hasn't played since he was a Raven. He's been either injured or he he um, opted out last year because of COVID. So CJ Mosley hasn't played in a while. Um, and I, I kind of want to also get to the other point that that you commented on and, you know, that Dave Sala, the brother of Robert Sala, also eloquently put it. Rex, he was right. Rex Ryan, but he won those first two years with a team that was constructed by the prior regime. Kind of like how John Gruden, everyone wants to give John Gruden so much credit for his Super Bowl victory, right, in 2003. It's some, it's the most asinine thing in the world. They won with a roster assembled by Tony Dungy. Just like the Jets won with a roster assembled by the regime that was there pre- previously. And, uh, uh, and I believe, uh, and yeah, Eric Mangini. So, and I don't, and, and look, and if you even look at the moves they made, what happened? They brought in Bart Scott. Like, that's not a Rex Ryan, like, you know, oh, Rex Ryan's this great defensive-minded genius. No, he just, he did, he took over an already really good defense and then added Bart Scott, who's like, at that point, was a perennial pro bowler playing behind Ray Lewis on one of the best defenses in NFL history. Like, come on. No, like, Rex Ryan has absolutely no room to talk. This dude was set up for success, and you know what happened? He got complacent. He got lazy, and eventually his complacency and him believing his own shit led to that team 
imploding on itself in 2013. That's exactly what happened. That team implode. Actually, no, it wasn't 2013. It was 2011. Yeah, 2011. That team. It was even before that. He he was only went to the he only went to the AFC Championship game two years in a row. Never made the playoffs again. Went to Buffalo. Never made the playoffs there. He got fired in Buffalo. And now there's a reason he's on ESPN. You know why he's on ESPN, Andrew? Because no one wants him to fucking coach. Can't coach. He can't coach. And you know what? Here's the thing, man. I'm a Ravens fan. I know Rex Ryan. I know. I know the way. Rex Ryan was. A solid coordinator. A solid coordinator. But he's not even like he's not even like a top three Ravens coordinator of all time. Like the Raven like the Ravens have had amazing coordinators. Rex Ryan isn't a great one. I'm not gonna lie to you. Rex Ryan probably had the the most amount of talent of any Ravens coordinator ever, other than maybe Marvin Lewis to work with. Like and Marvis, Marvin Lewis is one who de- who basically developed the entire team that Rex Ryan would go on to coach. So I mean, it, it's just, dude. It's like it's literally the the what's the old saying? The the kettle calling the pot. Whatever. It, it, it's Rex Ryan calling Rex Robert Sala Rex Ryan, which is same thing. I don't know. He's sexy Rexy. Just shut up, man. Shut up and get your ESPN money. Come That's, on. The Jets are gonna finish low again. What they should do is they're gonna finish low again. If they have a lot, if they have draft picks and everything like that, you know. Give this guy something to work with. Don't give him late round draft picks because those late round you are really playing with fire trying to hit on those late round draft picks. Instead of drafting, you know, draft maybe an offensive lineman here and there to protect Zach Wilson so he doesn't get fucking hurt again. And then other than that, you know, draft a fucking corner in the first round, you know. Draft Oh draft that, that that has not gone well for the Jets in recent years. You remember D Milner? That that was bad. Yes. It was really they bad. Still- Strike gold with um with Revis Island, but they really haven't struck gold with anything since then. Um, uh, well, they had Jamal Adams and, and Jamal Adams, who by the way, Andrew, historic stat here. Jamal Adams has officially tied Vince Wilfork for interceptions in his career. I think he three. got his first pick this past weekend. Oh, three, three, he has three, pick. three, eight. Man, that's two more than you thought he had. First pick is a Seahawk this past weekend. I think is what it was. That's not nah, dude, but like that's that, that, that give this guy a chance, dude. Like, you know, if you give him a chance, like you're going to they're going to have a high draft pick again. Draft a fucking defensive end. Draft a defensive end. Draft a defensive tackle. Like build that defensive line, build the offensive line, and then you know, you could sprinkle in a wide receiver. You could draft a wide receiver in the 6th round and make the shit work. You can't draft no fucking 7th round corner and ex- oh yeah. Let's draft a seventh round corner and then put him on fucking Jalen Waddle. You can't yeah, do that. You're not the Ravens. You're not the Ravens. You can't do that. The, the Ravens will just churn out like six round picks will become pro bowlers in like two years and then get fat contracts and then never perform again. That's that's what they're known for. Um, sticking with the Jets real quick. We had some uh, – it, it has been a wild, wild couple of weeks for the New York Jets. So Zach Wilson goes down with an injury. We get the the – Debut of Mike White comes in, throws for 400 yards, four touchdowns. People crowned him. They crowned him. Gets injured in the next game, starts the following game, throws four interceptions, which I guess I guess it had to even out at some point, right, Andrew? It had to even out at some yeah. point. It was um, sitting there t- I should have been the number two overall pick. Yeah, um, yeah that's probably not true. Uh, but the Jets are going now going back to Joe Flacco, um, a quarterback who they had in their – roster last year who played relatively well given the circumstances he was in um and who probably has at least a little bit left in the tank 
What do you think about this? Because, look, I made the argument that the biggest mistake the Jets made this coming into this year was the fact that they didn't have a veteran quarterback on the roster coming into this year to give Zach Wilson maybe a few weeks to, to kind of buy his time instead of throwing him into the fire. But instead, they had to trade a fifth rounder to get Flacco, which, for those counting people, Joe Flacco in the past three years has been traded for a fourth round and a fifth round pick, which is just crazy considering what some other players are going for these days. But hey, man, Joe's making a living. Can't hate on that. Um, but yeah, what do you think about this move to Flacco? Is it the right one? Should they stick with him potentially given the way their season's gone for the rest of the year? I mean, what 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 else what else could they do? They're already what? I mean, besides the fucking the Lions, I mean, they're pretty much like right there one step above the Lions. So there's really nowhere they they can't get any lower. They can only go up from here. Might as well take a veteran who's, you know, he's been there. He's done that. And, you know, see if he can, you know, keep you in some games and get you some wins at this point. You know, Zach Wilson, you don't know when you're going to see him again. Mike White, uh, his his 15 minutes is over. So no, we're never going to see him again. It's tragic, dude. It's tragic, dude. It was like Lynn Sanity. It, no, Lynn Sanity was much better than this. Like yeah, this, Sanity, this was like Lynn Sanity was like three weeks. This was only two, I think. Yeah, no, this Not, was like this is one of the shortest lived like quarterback like excitement periods ever. Like you remember like like who was it? It was like Nate Mullins a few years ago. Everyone was like raving about how Nate Mullins is gonna be good. Gardner Minshew actually his lasted over a year, so like you had that. I mean, but 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 yeah, no, this was like one of the more pathetic ones. Um as far as Flacco on this roster and, and whether or not he should start, Flacco should start the rest of the season. I would deactivate Zach Wilson because here's my thing. Wilson's already come in and gotten injured once, and there have been times where he has not looked good. There have been times where he's looked rattled. But there have also been times where he looked great, as I'm sure you can attest uh, as a Titans fan. But... I think for because given the roster that's assembled right now, given the fact that they can't play defense, they can't protect the quarterback, you stick with Flacco for the rest of the year, you deactivate Zach Wilson, you get him healthy, you get him you you have him read the playbook, have him do whatever, get him ready for next year. Go all in next year, draft some offensive tackles to block for this man, maybe get him a weapon or two in free agency, spend the damn money, New York. Everyone else in your division is spending the money. But you got to stick with Flacco for the rest of the year. I think it's just the the worst thing you can do to Zach Wilson at this point is, one, get him injured twice in the same year, which they run the risk of doing, and two, ruin his confidence. Because I've seen Zach Wilson get really shaky and rattled, and that is not a good thing for a young quarterback. You don't want to see that happen. You want your young quarterback to exude confidence, even if the team's not doing well, even if the, the he's not doing well. Like, we've seen what Trevor Lawrence is doing. I know you can say what you want about Trevor Lawrence. There have been times where he's stunk up the joint. He's absolutely stunk up the joint. But the thing is, he plays with poise all the time. No matter what, he plays with poise. And that's the, that's the thing about these young quarterbacks. If you can make the mistakes and still play with poise, you can come back and and potentially, like, you know, get better over over time. But you don't want to have that Josh Rosen effect where you just lose all confidence because then if you lose confidence in yourself, the team's going to lose confidence in you, and that's what ruins these young quarterbacks. I did I did gain some respect for Sunshine this past weekend. Watching him fumble, watching him fumble during that what could have been the game-winning drive, and then the Colts recovered it, I did gain respect for him. The fact that he kept his head up despite the fact that he pretty much just lost them the game. 
on the final possession. He did keep his head up though. So I did I did I did respect him a little bit. This is this is such a guys, this has been a year and a half in the making. Andrew has never said anything this nice about Trevor Lawrence. I did gain some respect for him. He doesn't even have that nice hair, dude. Griffin had nicer hair than him. Big shout out to Griffin, man. He did have nicer hair than them. All every all the females at Catholic knew that. Um, anyway, guys, if you haven't already, hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Andrew, let's move on and talk about Cam. You know why? Because he's back! He's back! Yo, I've never heard someone like just yell out of tune that much it was wild though it was a wild wild week in uh carolina it has been a wild week panthers head coach matt rule i almost called him jaw rule <laughs> I, I always want to call matt rule jaw rule is, 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 is that no, bad me <laughs> i think john lives in north carolina too now which is even more wild <laughs> Oh, you got uh, you you gotta love the coincidences. Panthers head coach Matt Rule says Cam Newton is trending in the direction to start this Sunday. He has been taking the majority of first team reps in practice. Newton recently signed a one year on up to ten million dollar contract with the Panthers for the rest of the season. Last week, in very minimal play, he went three for four for eight yards, a touchdown passing, and a touchdown rushing. Um, he and and this will be the return of Cam Newton. Basically, if he's going to start, it's going to be a return of Cam Newton in the starting lineup. It is also going to be the return of Ron Rivera, Pan the former Panthers head coach. Ron Rivera will be coaching the Washington football team, and so you're going to see a little bit of a matchup between these two people, uh, th those two pieces. Panthers right now in the standings are five and five. They hold seventh place in the NFC. Only still only a game and a half back from the division. Andrew, what does Cam bring to the table and can he save the Panthers season? Yes. You know what? It's looking up. If there's one team that is trending upward, especially in that division, first off, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is going to get it together. You look at their schedule. Tampa Bay is going to win four or five more games. They're going to win the division. Carolina is going to have to get that one that one of those wild card spots. And I do believe Carolina with Cam Newton, they're going to play a different style of football. They're going to play a grit and grind style of football. This is going to take a lot of that pressure off of Christian McCaffrey. He's not going to take as many hits. And they are literally going to try to run that team to the playoffs until they have to meet um, – Kyler Murray and um, or Mighty Mouse, as I like to call him. Mighty, I'm, I don't call him that other name anymore. Mighty Mouse and uh, that team in Arizona, and then they're going to lose. But hey, you know what? If they if they get a matchup like that, it, this is one thing. Just shifting gears real quick because I know somebody was talking about it. Uh, they were talking about it on the, um, the the talk shows the other day. Was um, this new physicality, dude? Like you see in all these these teams, they're going back to playing old school physical type of football. Yeah. I love it. That's Cam's style of football, and that's why going back to that, well, a lot of how like soft and finesse some of these teams are, I not only think Cam will take Carolina to the playoffs, but if they get a soft team like Dallas, a soft defense like Dallas in the first round, I think they could go into Jerry World and pull an upset. I really do. Yeah, I mean, look, I'll get to Cam Newton specifically in a second, but gotta talk about you gotta talk about this Panthers team and kind of what they've been through over the past few weeks 
I mean, it, it's it, it's just it, it's just crazy what they've been through over the past few weeks. They started off three and zero again. They only they beat a lot of shitty teams, but they started off three and zero. People were talking about this team as potentially challenging the Bucks in the NFC South. That didn't happen. They fell off. Sam Darnold fell off. Uh, Christian McCaffrey obviously got injured, was out for a few weeks, and the team just went to hell in a handbasket like that. And that, then everyone was talking about how this is somehow the worst team in the league. And it's always baffled me that that people kind of like immediately went to that like, oh, they're like they're such a bad team now. No, they they were a team that knew what they were when before Christian McCaffrey got injured. A team that's going to run the ball, beat you on play action, and play lockdown defense. What happened in the weeks leading up to that? They had some injuries on defense. They lost their best defensive player for a few weeks. They lost their best offensive player for a few weeks. You know what happens when you lose your top two players on your team, Andrew? What tends to happen? You end up losing games because you... Well, well, we'll talk about that in a second. But but, but you end up losing games. Most teams end up losing those games. But now they've, they've gotten healthier. They've adjusted on defense. Run CMC is back. And now you have Cam Newton. And I agree with you in this. I think Cam Newton, he's he might not even he's de- he's definitely not the passer he used to be. He might not even be you know as much of the runner as he used to be. As he might not be as fast as he used to be. But man, oh man, there's something different in the air in Carolina with Cam back. Like, and, and sometimes it's weird. Sometimes that's what these teams need to kind of kick them in the butt and just be like, all right, cool, let's go for it. Let's go for it. Let's just do it. Fuck it. Let's do it. And I think that's what you're seeing in Carolina. You're seeing this team that was down on their luck just get a spark. And and it might last for three weeks. It might last for three minutes. It might last for three months. We don't know. But that spark right now, you could tell last week it was there. We're going to find out this week whether or not it's there. But I do think that if they play it right and if Cam is at least able to – if he's able to even be – just like let let's say like just maybe like fifty percent better than he was in New England, man. Like the the NFC South better watch out because with that defense, with run CMC and and a reignited uh, Panthers team, I think this is a dangerous football team. It's, and I said it to begin the season. This was a very dangerous football team that was going to develop before our eyes throughout the season, and that's what's happening. Like, like, and Cam Newton might just be part of this development. Like, look, sayonara. Sorry, Sam Darnold. Uh, but I think his, 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 oh, what, what has it been? Like three seasons. Like we, 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 we know what Sam Darnold is. A good quarterback who will probably end up being a, a very good backup somewhere and a transitional quarterback. But Cam Newton, like on this team this year, I think he could do it. I totally think he's capable of it. And we saw the way he's able to run. We saw the way he's able to fight through tackles. You you match that up with run CMC and the way this line's playing. Why can't they make the playoffs? As a seven seed? Of course. And then you know what happens? They get that six or seven seed. You know what that means? They get that six or seven seed. And they get to go to Jerry World. And we just saw this past Monday on Monday Easy Night one. Football. Easy dub. Easy dub. We just saw Monday Night Football when you have, you know, the team, the pretty boy team with all the big names and the stars. It's not a, not not really the most physical teams. When they play a physical team lo- that likes to run the ball like the 49ers, like the Carolina Panthers, 
you see the pretty boy teams like the Dallas Cowboys and the LA Rams. They could lose a game because they're going to get punked by a team that maybe has less talent but can outmuscle them. And I could see that happening. Teams, there's one thing I've noticed about teams the past couple of years. You know what they like to do? Jerry World is like MSG. Guys like to go in there and just show out. And so Jerry World, Jerry World has been more of a home field advantage for the away team than it has been for the Cowboys the last couple of years. So yeah, dude, they get that six seed, they get that seven seed, they go into Jerry World the first round, they gotta play the Rams, they gotta play, you know. I think I actually think the Rams have a potential chance to overtake the Arizona Cardinals and uh, win that division. And you got the Rams and the Cowboys has to see this Carolina Panthers team. We saw what happens when the Rams have to go up against a physical team. It's two weeks in a row now the Rams played physical teams in Tennessee and uh, Carolina or in uh, Tennessee and uh, uh, San Francisco, and they got punked. So don't be surprised if you see a team like this go up against one of those big name with all the stars, the pretty boy teams, and they beat them. Maybe, maybe. Um, just a quick note, uh, HMO Podcast is in the chat. Go give them a follow, HMO Podcast, doing some really good work over there. What's up, Brooks? What's up, Dro? Um, HMO is, uh, is commenting on the fact that this video, this live stream currently has a lot of dislikes, and I don't know what happened. We got apparently we got a bunch of bots who are apparently Rex Ryan fans. Maybe Sexy Rexy uh, didn't like what we were saying, but it's whatever. Because you know why? You guys can hit that like button and help us out. Fuck the trolls, um, all that jazz. Hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell. Haters be hating. I ain't gonna stop. Uh, but, yep, HMO Podcast is very happy for Sam. Greg Metz is here. What's up, Greg Metz? He says you are the king, fam. Damn kings be kings. Let Let's get that sauce, fam, says Greg Metz, two, three, four, five. Andrew, say what's up to Greg Metz, two, three, four, five. What's up, man? Yep, uh, HMO Podcast says, be seeing ghosts. I be seeing ghosts, too. I be seeing ghosts apparently spamming my videos, trying to give me dislikes. I don't care, though. You know why? Because I'm still here, and I'm going to be here next week, and the week after that, and the week after that, Real Take Sports Talk every single Wednesday night. Live here on YouTube. Andrew, we're going to talk about something that uh, it has shocked many sports fans, shocked many basketball fans now. Dude, I was surprised when I saw this. And, the hell, and the, hell this? the wildest thing is, Drew, it has absolutely nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing to do with the game of basketball. Um, but arguably the most shocking news of the past week the Staples Center is getting a new name. Starting Christmas Day, the Staples Center will now be known as the Crypto.com Arena. Yes, Crypto.com has bought the naming rights of the stadium, of the, the arena rather, that, you, that still houses the Los Angeles Lakers, the Clippers, the Kings in the NHL, and the WNBA Sparks. In a deal, Andrew valued... At over $700 million over 20 years. It is, I think, the biggest deal, the biggest naming, naming rights deal in the history right now of sports. What do you got to say to this? What do you got to say about this, man? What are your thoughts on the Staples Center no longer being called the Staples Center? Honestly, I don't know how I feel about that, dude. I, I don't like it. I really it's don't weird. like it. I, I grew up with it being called the Staples Center. Um, 
mid-season too? Like you're not even going to wait till the season to play. You're just going to mid-season is going to change it. Like I, I don't, I don't like it. I really, I don't like it. It's like, it's almost as if like basketball as I knew it, like, especially in LA, dude, just like too many changes. Like there's too many, too many big time changes like that. Like the Staples center two of all like that, dude, that's like a big market. Like if they changed like the Milwaukee, like the Pfizer V forum or something like that, like we wouldn't care, but this is dude, this is the Staples center. Like this is a big deal. And I don't like it. I don't. It's the weirdest thing ever because I, I'm not someone who gets like too. What, what's up? Mid-season too, like at least wait for the season to end or something like that. And they didn't want to. They want that money, bro. It's all about that money. Seven hundred million dollars. I get why they did it. I mean, look, it's money makes the world go round, man. That, that that's what it's all about at the end of the day. So I get that part, but man. Going from the Staples Center, which is an iconic brand, an iconic name, and I like the Staples Center. Like, there's no other name for that arena. It's the Staples Center. Like, like when, when you think L.A., you think you know the Griffith Observatory. You think Hollywood. You think you know the 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 fucking what's it called the 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 names and 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 a Walk of Fame. And you think the Staples Center. It's an iconic part of L.A. and has been for almost what has it been like 22 years? It's been called the Staples Center, like. It has been an icon in L.A., not even sports, but L.A., just the culture. And now it's changing like that. And it was such a good name. It was so iconic. It was it was like, like you went to L.A. to go see a game at the Staples Center. You didn't go to L.A. to go see a game at the Crypto.com Arena. Like what? I mean, I mean, look, again, I get why you did it, but it's also like, man, Crypto.com? Yeah, business is business. And it's like I can understand like the crypto, the crypto arena, crypto crypto.com center though. Like that I don't like that. Like the way they want I, you to go to that website. You, they want you to go to that website. Yeah, I won't. You won't. Yeah, I won't. How do you think this is going to affect the Lakers? <laughs> if and if any any way at all. I I I don't I, I don't know. Like I I I guess the Lakers needed something like to be in the news with all the losing they've been doing. There's got to be, you know, something. Maybe this takes the heat off of Westbrook. I, I don't know. That's a good question. Is Russell Westbrook the problem in L.A.? Uh, he's one of them. He's not he's not the problem, dude. The, the, I think the problem with the Lakers, TBH, is the league – the way, with the way the league is, like a lot of people have said it's a cardio league. Like pundits have said it's a cardio league. Like radio, all these people have said it's a cardio league. I would agree. It's more of a cardio league because they're trying to take the physicality out. Although with some of the rule changes, they're kind of bringing some of the physicality back in. I just think the way the roster is constructed, dude, the roster is not constructed for for long term success. Like the roster is a is a good roster with the stars when you get to the playoffs. The problem is you got to get there. This is not a roster that's built to sustain the marathon of the regular season to get to the playoffs. And then once you get to the playoffs, then it's like, you know, it's still kind of a marathon, but it's more like you kind of speed up a little bit, you know? So the the roster is not constructed for long-term, like throughout the season, success, dude. Like a lot of people blame Westbrook and everything. Well, yeah, Westbrook plays the same game as LeBron. He just pays at a faster pace. And he's really not as good of a shooter. So when you're bringing in a player that plays, has LeBron ever had to play with a player exactly like himself? The answer is no. There's a reason for that. That's why he picks his teammates. He's always had 
you know, sharpshooters, veterans, everything like that. Now, the problem is some of these veterans that he's bringing in, they're a lot like they're his age. When you see them losing games to like the Oklahoma City Thunder, when you see them losing to like the Kings, dude, those are younger teams. Those are just, you know, younger teams that can run up and down the floor for 48 minutes. And LeBron's team can't just because they're they're older and they don't want to do that. So, yeah, I, I think it's also like just an adjustment. Like any time you you bring a bunch of new great pieces together, there's going to be an adjustment period. That's just truth. That's just how it works. There's going to be a time where players just they just get like they just need time to adjust. We saw it with the 2010 Miami Heat. Like that team took maybe I think two thirds of the season to really get in a groove. Like like you don't just here's the thing. People think you just put great players with each other. And the chemistry is going to be there day one. Or the chemistry is going to take like two weeks to get together. No. Especially considering the fact that LeBron James has been out for a while. And he's going to be out for like a little bit longer. So this team is... The reality is this team's not going to gear up and probably get, you know, any semblance of chemistry. Probably until like the All-Star break. If at the earliest. Like, like that's the reality of the situation. And that's what everyone is prepared for. That's And that's what Lakers fans should be prepared for. Russell Westbrook, has he had a lot of turnovers? Yes. Has he had uh, games where he hasn't been playing well? Yes, because he's adjusting to playing with the pieces around him. Great players adjust. And I think it's too early to judge whether or not Russell Westbrook is good for this offense or Russ Westbrook is good for this team because we still have the majority of the season to play. Like, let's be honest, Andrew. Basketball doesn't get real until the All-Star break. Like, you, we can be happy about our teams doing it. I could be, I'm elated elated that the Cavs are 9-6. and six. Do I think it's going to last? Absolutely not. But I'm elated about it. Do I think at going into the All-Star break, they're still going to be in, in like third place in the, in, the, in the Eastern Conference? No. No. But, it, but that's, how, that's the reality of the game. The All-Star break really kind of separates out the really good teams from the bad teams. And anyway, we all know the NBA doesn't start until football is over anyway. And Golden State actually looks like they're going to sustain that shit. Golden State, well, yeah, because well, they're because they're only going to get better. They're only going to get better. Ago, I think I I don't know. I, I think I, th- I was saying a few weeks ago, like Golden State's going to make the finals this year, dude. Like that whole Phoenix shit, that was cute. Golden State's going to once they get their guys back, wise once men, they get Clay back, once they get yeah, Clay dude, back, like, even if Clay is like at seventy percent of what he used to be. Oh, it's going to be hard to touch Clay that the team. Ultimate talk, the ultimate plug and play player dude like if there's one player where you you add him to your team and your team instantly gets better it's clay thompson dude there's there's no ifs ands or buts he so he plays so, okay so given that like uh, indulge me for a second given that the warriors right now are 12 and 2 currently in first place in the western conference a lot of pe- people including you and myself included we picked this team as a potential Western Conference champion going and representing the Western Conference in the finals. Are the Warriors, as it stands now, the best team in the West? Uh, they're not just the best team in the West. Dude. This, this is the best team in the NBA, dude. Stephen Curry, dude. Stephen Curry is balling the fuck out. And the end is, I, I don't really see, I don't really see how teams are going to stop them, dude. Like, this is kind of how, like, the first, the their first, their first run started where like you know a lot of people kind of counted them out like we saw Steph doing numbers but everyone was all like oh it won't last in the playoffs well guess what we've seen Steph in the playoffs already they're gonna get Clay back and the scary part is is these young guys that are studs like Jordan Poole um the um 
the um, uh, the Peyton, Gary Peyton's kid, and uh, you know Wiseman and Kaminga, like they're gonna get that playoff experience and everything, dude. And this team, th- this team might be here for the long haul. Like even after, like you know, the next four, five, six years and everything, as Steph gets older, with those other talented players that they have around Steph that are gonna grow and you know step into those roles. Golden State's in a very good spot, not just for today, but for the future too, dude. Golden State is probably one of those teams that's just set up for success, like for at least the next three years. This is going to be a title contender for the next three years because they still have Steph in his prime. They still have Klay Thompson if he can get again up to seventy percent of what he used to be. I think I think that puts this team over the edge as far as being the best in the West. We have Wiseman develop Wiseman developing. You have um, Wiggins, you know, doing his thing. He doesn't have to be – Wiggins can score 18 points a game. That's all they need him to do. That is all they require from him. That is his Wait, role. He's he's filling the Harrison Barnes role. He's filling the old Harrison Barnes role in that team. But he's better than Harrison Barnes. He's a better scorer than Harrison Barnes, definitely. Um, and, you know, I, I think the, the only question for this team is, is there – if the Lakers figure it out. I think that's the only real question for this team. If the Lakers somehow – at by the end of the year, figure out how to optimize playing with each other. Because we can say whether or not they're g- going to have the chemistry or whatever, but if this team figures it out with all the talent they have, it's going to be, they're going to give the Warriors a massive run for their money. Like those are be the top two teams. Um, you know, I, I know people, and I, I get it, but I know there's a lot of people who want to make the argument that, oh, this is the year Luca ascends or whatever. And I'm like, it's possible. It's possible this could be the year that Luca ascends, maybe past the first round finally. And again, I'm the I'm Andrew. You know me. I'm the one of the biggest Luca Doncic fans there is. But man, like Luca, Luca, honestly, like the, the the Mavs themselves are not a threat with the current way their con- roster is constructed and the way they play with each other. Like Think the Suns, playing better. I mean, I, but even the Suns, man, like they're just they're good. They're really good. They are really a really good team, but. Is it really enough? The Nuggets, you know, can they get healthy? You know, like, Jokic, we know what Jokic is. He's a baller. But again, it's kind of like the same thing. Can they get healthy? Can they can they maintain their success in the playoffs? We haven't seen it. Um, the only team I'm ready to crown in the West, for lack of a better phrase, are the Warriors. I think they're the most complete team, and we know what their outlook is. Again, if Klay Thompson comes back at 70% of what he's what he was at before, before all the injuries, rest assured, this team is still the best in the West. Yeah. I mean, you pretty much, you know, you, you dude, you highlighted it all perfectly. Like yeah. I don't know with the whole LeBron point though, with the whole Lakers coming on, because even if the Lakers do, like I said, dude, they're not really built. They're not they're built for that, but I don't think the Lakers are necessarily going to get to that point. And, you know, with these injuries that LeBron's been having and everything like that, like these are injuries that LeBron would sustain and he'd be playing the next day. Like LeBron sustaining these injuries and he's missing weeks. Like it, it's not, the Lakers are going to need a lot more help. And I don't, I don't see, you know, unless a potential Damian Lillard trade, which I don't even know if they can make that. I don't see, is I don't see any type of like help that could be on the way to help the Lakers now. I don't. 
I don't know either, but you know what I do know, Andrew? If you guys want to help combat these fucking trolls, hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Daily videos on pro wrestling, the NFL, the NBA, and much, much more. Andrew, it, here's a question that is almost tailor-made for you because we were talking about it beforehand. Kervin you in the chat. What's up, Kervin? Kervin asks, the new, or he says, rather, the new NBA rules expose James Harden. And I, a lot of people would say that is true. But I think, in your opinion, they would also expose another James. So let, let's see, let's hear what you have to say. What do you think about how the new NBA rules are going and, and how different players fit into them? I love the fact – you referring to the physicality rules and how yes. they're like not calling those ticky-tack fouls and how they're kind of letting them play now. I love it, number one, because this mm. is how the game should be. The game, it should – you have to put physicality in. When you allow for too much of finesse, now you're taking away an aspect of the game that has existed, and it's kind of been a neutralizer. And, you know, as much as they want offense to be up, they want, like – the scoring and everything to be up. That's, you know, that's, that's cool. And everything like that, the scoring, but I, I like this brand of basketball. Like when, not just me, there's a lot of people who like this brand of basketball. It evens it out. And you know what it does too. You know what it does too. You have the next like wave of players that are coming in. Right. So, you know, you have guys that are dominating like Giannis. Even with the rule change, Giannis is still going to dominate. He's built different, right? Guys like Zion, because they're, they're just built different. But if you call those ticky-tack fouls and everything like that, dude, it neutral – like, you basically make those players unstoppable. So now what you're doing is you're at least allowing defenses some way to at least, you know, push them back a little bit and give them some resistance that so these guys are not – you don't have Zion, 300-pound Zion, getting a free pass to the basket because you're not allowed to put a hand on him. Like, it's different. And I know what you were alluding to. Yes, I do think that these rule changes, I, I speculated about this on Twitter the other day, that with the rule change, how they're going back to more of a 90s, more physical style of play, I don't know. I'm just saying, given the timing of when the rules changed, and now all of a sudden, you know, they changed it to be more of a softer game around the early 2000s when a certain someone left and a certain someone came in. Now, all of a sudden, there's a certain someone, you know, he's on his last legs, kind of on the way out, another slowly going back to the 90s game. I'm just saying, I think some of these rule changes might have been there to potentially try to help one particular individual to bolster his career and make it a little bit easier for him to catch the ghost that he was chasing that he never I love, actually I love never how will. you've I love how you've just alluded to like the LeBron-anon conspiracy theory, <laughs> like that the NBA literally rigged LeBron's entire career in his favor. Oh, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Why? Like, dude, come on. They did not. They did not. LeBron, like, at some point, you got to admit LeBron is talented. He is talented, but I do think that taking the physicality out of the game to benefit him, for example— a lot of people, maybe I just noticed this because I critique everything about LeBron James. You do. Um, why was hand checking taken out of the game? Yet LeBron in like the 2016, 2017, and 2018 playoffs is allowed to hand check guys with no with no foul, but guys are not allowed to put a, fa a hand on him. I'm I'm just saying. I'm just saying. 
I mean, you can you can say that the refs the the refs are have been, have definitely been a problem with inconsistencies in that rule and, and the way they implement it. Yeah, but I don't think that's. But see, that's the thing. If if you if you're gonna call that out, call that out against the NBA, but don't call it out against LeBron. I what, my the whole no no, but my whole thing with like the LeBron haters, right? I feel like a lot of it is rooted in this idea, like in in ideas that people perpetuate. Like people don't like it when LeBron stands, or, or people who don't like LeBron, they 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 don't like it when LeBron stands talk about how great LeBron is in any way because it becomes a almost a black and white issue, like like binary, one or all or nothing. You you either gotta love LeBron completely or you gotta hate the dude. When in reality. LeBron is a generational athlete, an all-time great, and I think everyone can agree to that. You know, to the degree some people say he's top three, some people say he's top five, whatever, right? I mean, look, it's all subjective anyway. Like, you could say that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the greatest of all time, and I'd agree with you because I think he is, but that's a story for another day. I, I do think that people get lost in this binary way of thinking because— if you're if you in any way criticize LeBron, like I have, I've, I've said that LeBron, yeah, yeah, dude, the dude, the game is softer because of LeBron. That's just a fact. I think everyone can agree to that because there there hasn't been a player, there wasn't a player up until LeBron got there in his position, in like as far as in a position of power, to almost I guess not even beg, but like really like really like you know blatantly you know, desire those types of calls, like, in big moments, like, 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 really petty calls, flopping, all that kind of stuff, staying on the ground for, like, 10 minutes because you got, like, scratches in the face, like, 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 oh, you mean to your own man and act like you just got shot and roll around on the ground and grab your face, that, that yeah, you're about? yeah, that, yeah, that, the, the, the Academy Award winning, uh, uh, ways of LeBron James, like, the game is worse off for that because I think now a lot of players have looked to that as, as, how you play the game it's another way to play the game and i don't necessarily like that which is why i like these rules but then on the other hand like people are like oh man lebron he he only went to x amount he only went to like what is it like eight finals and he only won three of them I'm like dude he he went to all those finals he he care first of all he carried the Cavs. he carried the Cavs to five finals five finals only won one of them but he carried that team to five finals four in a row don't care what anyone says. That was a feat, especially in that last year. Every team he's been on has almost been perennially in the content in the contendership for a finals or in the finals almost every year. And that is something that that, you know, in at least the era in the past like maybe 30, 40 years, we haven't seen. Like we have not seen that level of dominance over the game. And what I don't like is when the LeBron people, you know, they don't recognize the impact he's got in the game, but then on the other side, the haters say everything good he's done is nullified because LeBron is LeBron. You know, I know I'm not nullifying anything. Like what he's done is what he's done. I, I'm just saying, you know, given how the game was tailor made for him to succeed, you kind of you almost had to expect more. Like only three, he he couldn't. He couldn't go 500 in those finals. The game was the game was tailor made for his style of play. Where yes, ticky tack fouls. So you're a bully ball type player. So now you get the benefit of the doubt because you're a bully ball player in an era where most players can't play bully, bully ball because they're not built like that. So we're essentially bending the rule or not bending. We're changing the rules to benefit you, and he still 
didn't win. Like he won, but he didn't win to the capacity that he should have. I guess we'll 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 have a great debate with when Johnny returns. We'll have the great LeBron debate because I feel like I, I'm going to save all these points for Johnny because you made some solid points. You made some solid points, but. Stay tuned for that. So make sure you don't miss that. Hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Get DUI. Or sorry, get DUI free title match. Oh my God. Okay. Wow. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki took down the big three in Miami. That they did. That he did. Like that, that Dallas team was tough. Yes, he did. With a bunch of old men. With a bunch of old ass men, really, dude. We, well, Why? you know who are, yeah, you know who are not a bunch of old ass men, Andrew. The New York Nets. Although you could make the argument that some of them are pretty old and pretty ass men. Uh, anyway, let's move on and talk about the New York. New York? No, the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn. That's what they are. The Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn. Brooklyn, where Brooklyn at? Where Brooklyn at? Where Brooklyn at? Right here they are, and they are currently in third place in the Eastern Conference. The New York, the New York, the Brooklyn Nets currently in third place in the Eastern Conference. They are without one of their key pieces. Have been without one of their key pieces in Kyrie Irving, and I think we're kind of seeing a little bit of an impact with that. They played the Warriors the other night, and they just didn't look like they were all together. And right now, I think you can make the argument that this is not a team that can win the NBA Finals. I, I think that's like, this is just not that team. Um, my question to you, Andrew, is how far can the Nets go without Kyrie Irving? Second round, depending on matchups, maybe first. I, I'm, I'm serious. Depending on matchups, Why maybe first. Why do you say first. that? Because if they, get, if they fuck around and they, they fall low enough and then they got to play Milwaukee in the first round, um, they're getting bounced without Kyrie. Dude, it's getting bad over there. Like, I understand the Warriors are beating everybody, but you know, it's getting it's getting pretty bad. Like, James Harden is seventy five percent of what he what he was. KD is carrying that team. They don't have the supporting cast. Like Lamarcus Aldridge, he is not the same LMA that he was a couple of years ago. Um, Blake Griffin, you know, he's, he he has shown flashes of being the old Blake Griffin, but even then, you know, he's he's not he's not the skywalking Blake Griffin that he once was that could play volleyball. That they. they Dude, they they need Kyrie to come off the bench. I mean, I they, not even come off the bench. They need Kyrie to suit up, and I don't see that ending anytime soon. Without Kyrie, they're screwed, dude. They are at the point like they're they're on DefCon three, dude. At this point, they're better off just having Steve Nash suit up and fucking play point guard for them. You think you think Steve Nash would do that? I, I I used to think that with the Knicks with Derek Fisher. I'm like, honestly, the Knicks were so bad and Derek Fisher was our coach. I'm like, we'd be better with the, him fucking on the court than him on the sidelines, honestly. And the Nets might be too. The Nets might be too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like, it, it, you know, and, and without stating the reason why, because that gets everyone in trouble with everyone. Um, Kyrie Irving hasn't been there and we're kind of seeing... We're seeing what this team is like without one of its most crucial pieces. That's the reality of the situation. This Brooklyn Nets team was constructed to win with KD and Kyrie Irving. They added James Harden, but that was the crux. The main ingredients of this of this, you know, big uh, I guess dinner, this, this this amazing dinner that they made this casserole of excellence that they made up in Brooklyn was Kyrie Irving and KD. And then you get the sugar spice 
James Harden and and a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, you know other people, but it was mainly those two ingredients. And one of the main ingredients is not there. You can't make you like like Andrew. You know this as well as anyone. You can't make uh, like you know you can't make a chicken salad with chicken shit. Because right now the what what the, that's what you have comparatively to what you ha- would have had with Kyrie in the lineup. Like no disrespect to any of the players over there in 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 um, New York playing point guard, but there it's just not the same. They can't fill the shoes. This team was constructed to win with Kyrie. Him not being here, it puts them in a much more detrimental position than they were originally. That's just the truth of the situation. They are not going to win in the. They're they're not going to win the East. I, at this point, the Bucks, the the Milwaukee Bucks, have a better chance of winning. Quote Charlie Sheen, winning and going on to the, the NBA Finals. I think they could legitimately compete, given how kind of weak and and inconsistent the 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 East is right now. And the Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie, I think they would have they would have been the team. It would have been not even close because they would have had so much. James Harden, KD. Um, whatever the hell Blake Griffin is, able to get rebounds and score inside, and Kyrie, that it, like that is too much. And they finally had, they would finally had time to play together. It just seems like every single time this team is like on the pinnacle, on on or, or on the on the path to victory, on the path to winning, one of these pieces is just not available. And I know you and I both don't. We're kind of tired of Stephen A. Smith, but one thing I think you and I can both agree. For whatever reason, it's true. Kyrie Irving has not been there for a long, for a while. It, like, and it just doesn't just have to do with this season. Go back to last season. Go back to the season before that. He's just not there. And at some point, you got to be like, like at some point, KD's got to like factor Kyrie out of his plans. Like whether when he's up for free agency or whatever, like he's got to factor him out of your, his plans. You got to think. Uh, the, all I can really have to say to that is, uh, this is karma, dude. It's karma. He, um, he, he went to the Nets instead of the Knicks. Um, that's KD's karma, and uh, the Nets' karma is leaving New Jersey. That's all I got to say. It's not like you were a New Jersey Nets fan. Why are you mad at the Nets for leaving New Jersey? I was never a New Jersey Nets fan. It's just I, I'm, I'm upset when I like I'll talk to kids that were born like after 2005. Um, and they will, you know, they, they claim to be the basketball fans. Apparently, um, these kids in high school right now, a lot of them don't even know that like the New Jersey nets used to be a thing. Like we used to have a team here and now we don't, they used to have a killer logo too. Not not even not dude. That logo was fine. That logo was hard. I'm not going to lie, dude. And, um, it's not even like, dude, like, like these kids that are in high school now, dude, like, Four, five short years before these kids were born, 2000, 2001, 2000. The Nets were in the finals. The New Jersey Nets were good. When they had Jason Kidd, they were Eastern Conference finals, NBA finals. And then they stopped selling out and had to go. Well, they stopped selling out, so they sold out and went to Brooklyn. See what I did they there. Sold, they sold out indeed. They sold out indeed. Hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Let's move on to back to the NFL. Thank Last God. few topics here. Back to the NFL we go. Andrew, are the Pats back right yeah, now? The New England. The... You, 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 you should know. You should know how I do my intros to topics by now. Andrew, are the Pats back right now? The New England Patriots are 
half a game back behind the Buffalo Bills for first place in the AFC East. They have turned around very quickly from two and four now, and they are have now, I believe, won uh, their, I believe it's their fifth or sixth game. Anyway, they're on a tear. Bill Belichick is doing great. Andrew, what has been the key to this this renaissance, this this resurrection almost of the New England Patriots this season? Um. Well, number one has been their defense. They have a very good defense. Number two has been, um, they they got the quarterback, dude. New England has operated. You know, the, Mac Jones is a system quarterback. And the New England system fits him perfectly. A lot of people have said, number one, Mac Jones is the prime guy to go to New England because he's a system quarterback, reminds a lot of people of Brady, and he he doesn't really make mistakes. He's a game-managing quarterback, doesn't have the biggest arm, but he can get the job done, and he's showing it. And he has shown flashes where, you know, he's throwing balls in tight windows, and he has he has he's impressed among the rookies. So that's why I most likely th- – I think New England is back, yes. Do I think they're going to win the division? Um, that's still up in the air, depending on if uh, Buffalo wants to wants to d- decide they want to be a good football team again. You know, they beat up on the Jets this past week, but, I mean, that 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 9-6 to six loss to Jacksonville was – I mean, come on, dude. Come on, come on. Nine, six points against Jacksonville, dude? Come on. Six points Excuse against Jacksonville. Although, I will say this. The score of the game, Andrew, was pretty nice, if I may say so myself. Pretty nice. Yeah. So, so um, I do think I do think New England is back. I do think New England will be a playoff team. Um, that's another one, dude. They are. That's a big, tough, physical team to go along with a game managing quarterback. They like to. They will run it. They like to spread it around. But I mean, all in all, you know, I think um, I do think New England is back. Do I think they're going to make a playoff push? Fucking uh, Ryan Clark's out here talking about. Oh, they're going to win the Super Bowl. I, I would. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. But they'll. They. You know. They might. They. They, they might. They. They could. Like. Like. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. They could. Like. It's. It's not out of the realm of possibility that that Bill Belichick could coach a team to the Super Bowl. Damn it. We've seen it. What. Damn near nine times in his career. Granted. Granted. He had Tom Brady. But he can get to the wild card game. He might be able to pull an upset, you know, depending on that. He might be able to pull an upset. Okay, but we all know this year. Name one uh, team. Name one team in the AFC they can't beat. Uh, the playoffs run through Nashville. So huh. there is that. I'm but just telling on. you. The- okay, okay, okay. Okay, the- other than the Titans. They can- look, 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 no, no, no. Listen, listen, listen. listen. The Belichick loss came again. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. This is exactly like this must be exactly like uh, New York Mets radio right now. Just oh no 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 no. Let me talk. I'm fucking talking here. Uh, anyway, but um, no no no. In all reality, like like if you look at it, there aren't that many teams they can't beat. They could beat Baltimore. I'm willing to say that they could beat Baltimore. They could beat uh, Kansas City. Quarterback. So yeah, they're yeah. They they could beat beat Kansas City. They could beat. They could definitely beat the the Raiders. They could beat the Broncos. They could beat the Chargers. There's not a team, an elite team in the AFC that this team can't beat. So why can't they make a Super Bowl? They're playing amazing defense. Bill Belichick invested more money in contracts last off this past offseason than he's ever done in any year previous. You know why? Because I think Andrew Hughes finally sick of it. Bill Belichick was finally sick of people saying that it was Tom, not Bill. When the reality of the situation is, it was both, which is why I never understood that whole narrative. Like, yeah, sure, Tom Brady 
You know what? P- he silenced a lot of his doubters last year when he went off and won that Super Bowl with the Bucks because the narrative stayed the same. Tom Brady wins low. But now Bill Belichick, I think, is out to prove that the narrative is still the same with him. Bill Belichick wins low. And and I think, like, this is his answer. I think anyone who says, like, that that didn't motivate, and it's not even Brady himself, I think the talk of Brady being better than Belichick or the secret and, and, and being more responsible, I think it was legitimately that that said, let me go show these punks what I'm made of. And he did. And he's coaching this team's success. He adjusted. Like, that is the biggest thing you can say about this team. They were they started up two and four. It looked like they were in a rebuilding year, and they adjusted Andrew. They got better. They're rattling off wins, and they look like a team that's going to run the ball down your throat, win off a of play action, and play smash mouth, punch you in the face. Old school defense. And you you alluded to it uh, in a previous segment. The NFL looks like they're, they're turning the clock back a few years. They're turning it back to the, to the 2000s with, with this smash-mouth style of football, and I love it. And there's no one better at that style of football than Bill Belichick right now. Listen, dude, the formula to win, the very simple formula to win, very simple formula to win. I might even say it's a very simple formula, but it's, it's <laughs> formula to win. The formula to win is in the NFL, dude. You have a good defense. You have a good offensive line. I don't give a fuck who your quarterback is. You can win football games. You can make the playoffs, okay? They have that. The Patriots have that. They have a good defense. They have a good O-line. Mac Jones, nice clean pocket every time he throws. And they're a run-first They're a run first offense anyway. That's why Odell didn't want to go there because Odell, you know, Odell wants to be all about Odell. Odell wants the, he wants the ball to go to him every single play until it does and it ends up getting picked. We're not going to talk about that. So that's why I give the Patriots a chance. Um... Until, until, until they touch down in Nashville, because you might be the biggest homer I know. You genuinely might be the biggest homer I know. Nah, dude, this, this season is how 2008 was supposed to go. Now, now the only thing that could derail us, I'm serious. If a dumbass, when we go to Pittsburgh, because I've seen this before, if we go to Pittsburgh and Kevin Byard or one of them decides to take that fucking ball rag they got called the terrible oh, towel and decides to fuck with it because the terrible towel curse is real. Okay. It's real. If Actually, no, f- no, the Ravens are immune to that curse. The Ravens are immune to that curse. Everybody else, though, if we fuck with that towel, we will never win another game again. Vrabel will get fired. Derek Henry will never come back. Tannehill will tear his ACL doing one of his finger rolls. Um, and we'll hey, you screwed. can bring back, you can bring back Marcus Mariota. I would love that. I would love that. Save him from the Raiders. Save him. Free Marcus Mariota, man. That man can still play. Andrew, anyway, let's get to our last official segment, and then I'll just let you rant for a little bit about Tyreek Hill. Um, uh, Let's get to our final segment. The college football playoff revealed their top 25 teams, and it was an interesting ride here. Let's read. Oh. It wasn't there. Anyway, Andrew, the college football playoff revealed their top 25 teams. Here are the top five rankings here. Georgia at number one. Alabama at number two. Oregon at number three. Ohio State at number four. Cincinnati at number five. We see, we've see we seen a few teams fall off. Oklahoma, of course, with their loss this week. Boomer Sooner fell down all the way down to 13. Doesn't look like they're getting this bid this year. Right now, it looks like the... The real teams that are alive right now are those top four teams, actually the top five teams, including Cincinnati, and maybe Michigan is if one of the top five falls off. But other than that, I think 
we've kind of um, we've kind of gotten it down to at least a top six of potential pl- playoff contenders. But what do you think of this list? What do you like about it? Is it right? Go off. <sighs> you know what? I'm not. I, I complain about the first one. I, I'm not going to complain about where uh, Cincinnati is. I do think Cincinnati will get in. They should get in. I think they're good enough to compete with those teams. Alabama being number two, they did have that. You know that rough win against LSU, but then they came back, you know, they won the game. They should have won this past weekend. Georgia, Georgia's defense is fucking that, that, that team, that, that dude, that team coming into this past weekend was averaging. That defense was averaging, giving up six points per game. They gave up 10. It was a little bit over what they're averaging, but still, I think they're still only giving up like seven or eight points on the season. That defense is fucking insane. Oregon's losing this weekend um, because they got my sleeper, Utah, Utah, Utah has been good to me in the betting world. Um, I will tell you every, every week, bet the house on Utah, especially this week. I think it's at Utah too. Oregon's going down. Um, and then Ohio state, this whole Michigan, this whole Michigan and Ohio state thing right there. That's going to be decided this weekend. I think Michigan plays Ohio state. That's going to be decided this weekend. One of those two teams getting knocked out and don't sleep on Notre Dame. Do not sleep on Notre Dame. You remember a few weeks ago you came on the show and said bet the house on Dallas and then they got clobbered by the Broncos? I just want everyone out there who's a betting person to to know that that there's a curse w- that comes with Andrew's predictions. They always go wrong. Um, but no, that, I... Hold up. Was that game in Jerry World? Yeah. Uh, that's uh, See, I fucked up. That's why. Because Jerry World is more of a home field for the away team than it is for the Cowboys. Yeah, the Cowboys do wear their away jerseys when they're at Jerry World. But I don't have a, necessarily a problem with this ranking. Um, the one thing I will say is I am I am a staunch believer that at this point, Cincinnati has proven themselves until they lose. They have proven themselves to be a top four team. They should be at number four. Uh, I think they should be above or I think the order actually should be Georgia, Alabama, um, Cincinnati, Ohio State. I don't think Oregon should be in the top four, but subjective. It's fucked up. The only reason Oregon is there at all is because Oregon has that head-to-head win against Ohio State, and they want they have, there's that Big Ten bias with Ohio State. So, yeah. But when Oregon falls this weekend, because Oregon's losing this weekend at Utah, I have the Kyle Whittingham. I believe in Kyle Whittingham. Um, that's one of like my favorite teams in college football. I, I Utah, the running Utes. I will. I love those jerseys too. That dude, that red on black combo they have, one of the nicest. Red and black are just two colors that go together. And on that Utah jersey, I like it. That's what I'm, I'm actually picking that upset. And then Cincinnati is going to move up. And once they move up, that's it. They're not getting. They're not going to get bounced until um, unless they lose. Because I don't see them losing out unless they play Houston in the AAC championship game. That's the only time. But if they win out, they're in. Absolutely. I I think. I mean, again, it, it's going to be difficult though. If because I feel like even if Cincinnati wins out. If everything stays the course, if if Oregon doesn't lose, if Ohio State doesn't lose, what do you do? Like, I mean, I I think I know what you and I would do. You put Cincinnati in because they're undefeated and they're so close. You got to put them in. But do you think the committee will do that? Well, you know what? There's another factor that you're not that you you also have to factor this one in too, right? What if Alabama loses to Georgia in the SEC Ooh. championship? Yeah, that's with the way. That's a two-loss Alabama team because everyone loves Alabama. I, they're not letting a two-loss Alabama in. They didn't let a two-loss Big I Ten know, champion. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. The, the SEC bias is strong. They, that that loss might move Alabama down to number four, but it damn sure won't move them down to number five. 
I don't, I don't, I don't know. That's that's it's. If all that stuff, then yeah, then Cincinnati is going to get fucked over. I don't want to see Cincinnati get fucked over. Cincinnati's got some studs on the defensive side of the football. They've shown they can play with those big time teams. That's kind of why I, I do as much. It's fucked up because I the the kid is the quarterback at Oregon. Literally, he went to SJV school like in my area. Like he's from Jersey. But I really want to see Cincinnati make that playoff, dude. Just because like this is the year, and. If Cincinnati makes the playoff this year, even if they lose in the playoff, I know everyone's going to say you can't, you can never let another group of five team in ever again to the playoff. If Cincinnati doesn't perform well, well, what happens if Cincinnati gets in there and let's say they win a game? What happens if Cincinnati gets in there against Georgia and it's a close game? Either they lose close or they knock off Georgia. That just opens up the door if they don't expand this playoff in the near future because they probably won't. It'll get expanded three or four or five years from now, but. That opens up the door for the next undefeated Power 5 champion to get in over one of those undefeated teams because it will show that those Power 5 teams can, in fact, compete. You see BYU's up there, too, dude. BYU is a one-loss team up there. What are they, 14, 13, or 14, or something like that? That opens up the door potentially for them next year to – where's BYU? 14. 14. That opens up the door for BYU next year to potentially, if they go undefeated, to get in over a one loss Michigan or a one loss. Um, it opens up the door for them. This is a big, this, this is big Cincinnati getting in is a big deal. And I think if, they will. I want them to. If Cincinnati doesn't what wins out and Alabama loses and they don't get a top four bid, it will be the worst snubbing of a college football team in the playoffs ever since the I think it was the 2009 Boise State Broncos, coached by Chris Peterson, quarterback by Kellen Moore, the greatest college football quarterback of all time. Fight me! It will be the biggest snubbing in college football since then because that also that team, by the way, went 14 and 0. That that Boise State Broncos team went 14 and 0, beat TCU in the Fiesta Bowl, and you know what they finished, Andrew? You know what they finished even with that with that Fiesta Bowl win? Four, the college football bias should be the CFB. The college football bias runs deep. Expand the damn playoffs. Also, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever whenever a new video is released. Andrew, Andrew, Tyreek Hill is the greatest receiver in the NFL. Fuck up. No, he's not. Tyreek Go Hill. Good morning football this morning, dude. They they were they had they were pulling up his damn stats. They had his stats up there from the last couple of years, and they were comparing his stats to the career stats of like, you know, Calvin Johnson, the career stats of Randy Moss, the career stats of fucking like um um uh for San Francisco 49ers. Great one of the greatest wide Jerry, ever. Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice, Jerry dude. Rice. Yeah. His name wasn't coming to me, dude. I, I, listen. Tyreek Hill's story is a great story. Went to Oklahoma State, was a running back, got kicked out, had to go to middle Alabama or Alabama State, one of those schools. He was a fourth or fifth round pick. That That is all great, okay? I'm just saying that segment that they did this morning on Good Morning Football, I don't know who authorized it, and I'm telling you if Nate Burleson was still on the show, Good Morning Football, he would not have allowed for the blatant, the blatant disrespect of Calvin Johnson, okay? As much as as much as Tyreek Hill does put up big time numbers, as much as they call him Cheetah, as much as though he's not your conventional 
uh, type of wide receiver. He's undersized, but he's really fast. He gives defenses nightmares. He might keep defensive coordinators up at night and everything like that, okay? When you look at – when you're comparing him to Calvin Johnson – you have to ask yourself this. Yes, he puts up, you know, these types of numbers similar to what Calvin Johnson put up, okay? Ask yourself this. Calvin Johnson played for the most dysfunctional franchise probably in all of sports. The most dysfunctional franchise in all of sports. And he was the one the lone bright spot for the Detroit Lions. If you take prime Calvin Johnson and you swap him out with current Tyreek Hill, not only do the Kansas City Chiefs get better, but if you swap him and you put current Tyreek Hill in on those Lions teams all those years, those Lions teams actually get worse. So as much as the Tyreek Hill story is great and he's been putting up these monster numbers and everything like that, you know, Calvin Johnson played with Matt Stafford, how many different coaches, and, and, um, and he played for the Detroit Lions over all those years. Tyree Kill got to play with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. So I don't want to hear anybody ever put Tyree Kill in the same type of sentence or even in the same stratosphere as Calvin Johnson. Because when it's all said and done, yes, he might have better numbers. But if you were to ask, you know, any GM, any coach, anybody, would you take Calvin Johnson over Tyree Kill? I think every single one of them would tell you, oh, no, I would take Megatron over Tyreek Hill in a heartbeat. My biggest – see, here's the thing. I agree with you for a different reason. Um, my biggest problem with the segment or, or the comparison between Calvin Johnson and Tyreek Hill is that they're two completely different players. They're two completely different kinds of players. Calvin Johnson was like, what, six foot five, absolute behemoth of a man who's going to go up there and get the ball. Tyreek Hill got hops. He's got great hops. He's he's faster than Calvin Johnson ever was. I definitely give him that. He's definitely faster than Calvin Johnson. He might be one of the best. He might be one of the fastest players in fastest wide receivers rather in football history. I've given him his props. But the where people get it wrong about Tyreek Hill in this comparison, I think we get lost. We get lost in our in the comparisons we like to make as fans. We start comparing things that don't really go together. Calvin Johnson, Tyreek Hill, two completely different wide receivers. If you want to compare them career-wise, that's a totally different conversation. But player-wise, not even close. The real, the real comparison for Tyreek Hill, you would you could probably say is someone like Deshaun Jackson. Or or I've always said this. I've, I think I even said this to you today. Tyreek Hill is what people thought Tavon Austin was. Like a like a shorter receiver who's gonna go up and get the ball and be a playmaker. And Tyreek Hill, I think, look, if you want to say, oh, he's he's the next this, he's the next that. No, Tyreek Hill is the first Tyreek Hill. There hasn't really been a, a, a player of his size to have the ability and and the speed and ev- all the things combined that he's had. And that's worth it. That's worth to note. And you're right about what you said, though. He's also had the luxury of playing uh, with Alex Smith and Andy Reid. Had the, had the pleasure of playing with uh, Patrick Mahomes. And there's no shortage of passes coming his way. So, so... There's that, but I mean, I also believe that, you know, he's got the impeccable ability, right? The comparison of the Calvin Johnson is just uh, uh, utterly asinine. Calvin Johnson was asked to carry that entire Lions franchise on his back, which he did do, essentially. Like, people, he didn't win a playoff game. Yeah, you know what? Who the fuck would with that team? He got them to the playoffs. To this day, I think, doesn't he hold the single season all-time receiving record? 
yeah, he Cooper Cup's on pace to break that. But 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 yeah, he holds it for now. He holds it for now. But a good old Cooper Cup down in uh, L.A. He he's on pace. I I, we'll, I I I the Cooper Cup thing is another one that 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 annoys me. But dude, come on, eleven catches, one hundred and twenty-two yards this past week. Come on, that's for but, but what did it amount to? Empty stats. Fair, fair. Anything else you want to complain about? Oh, uh, no, I got the Tyreek Hill thing off my chest. It's just, you know, when I do, when I see a segment like that, like when I see a segment like that, I'm like, come on, like get better than that. I, I, I get it. Like you compare the numbers and everything like that. That's fine and dandy. But did Calvin Johnson ever play with a, with a secondary receiver, the caliber of Travis Kelsey? Like, don't get me wrong. Stafford, Stafford's cool, but Stafford's not Mahomes. And any coach that Calvin Johnson ever played with is not Andy Reid. Not offensively, although Jim Schwartz, man, got to give Jim Schwartz his props. The, he's Jim a Schwartz defensive is the guru. The number one. Jim Schwartz is the reason why we're going to win the whole thing, dude. He's the reason why our defense, our defense is the way it's it, the way it is right now. Oh yeah, you know what? On you know what? I want to do another final take. The Tennessee Titans have we've suited up eighty players, dude. Eighty players this year, dude. Statistically speaking, we've had the hardest schedule with the most players on IR. Statistically speaking, that shouldn't happen. You know what that is? That's big old Vrabes. That's Mike Vrabel. Um, I, first of all, hold up. Most players on IR? My gene. Most players on IR. By far, most players on, on IR. By far. We lead We're, the league we are, in. We are, we, are, we are literally taking corners off the street and being like, here's a uniform. Do you, do you have... Do, do you know what our running back situation was going into week one? Do you know what our situation is now? Do you know what our secondary is situation is? We lost we lost three starters in the secondary throughout the season. My G. My so G. Wait. We my so G. Wait. We no, we, so we lost, dude. We lost an it continue. So do we, dude. No, so do we, dude. Dude, Christian Fulton just came off IR. Caleb Farley's gone for the year. We we have we had some Mabin dude starting. We had Breon Borders. We literally signed Breon Borders and then cut him the next week. We've had uh, – we just put our – our backup's backup corner is um, the fucking dude – what's his name? Um, uh, Jackson. Chris Jackson, dude. Like, he, 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 he got lit up this past weekend, and I think he was injured too. So, dude, our secondary situation has been ass, dude. We were missing Tier Tart. Like, we, we've had guys just cycling. We're, Bud Dupree just went down again. Bud Dupree's done. Um, I don't know how long he's till he's coming back. Uh, what else? Julio has been in and out. AJ Brown apparently thought about killing himself a year ago. So I think, um, I think we, we have definitely had to deal with the most adversity and the fact that our team is the number one team currently in the NFL or in the AFC, but in the NFL, according to the power rankings, just goes to show you that, that, that is culture. That's why you have to set a culture. You got to draft players that are willing to play your style of football. Set a damn culture. Give a coach a chance. So, like we were talking about Salah at the beginning of the show, dude. The Jets are already talking about like they're running him out of town. Give the guy a chance instead of drafting four offensive players and expecting him to make it work with some fucking you know sixth and seventh round defensive players. Let him draft four or five defensive players, guys that can legitimately step in and make that defense better. And then, you know, you could sp- go spend money on some offensive weapons. You have Zach Wilson, you know, go, they paid Corey Davis already. They drafted uh, the kid more. So you have that in place, go draft a defensive tackle, a defensive end, you know, um, a corner draft players like that in the first, second and third rounds. 
and then go from there and let him work. But don't write the guy off because he inherited a very fucking bad roster. And he's, you know, he's not performing. He's won games. He's already won games. I was at one of the games that he won. It's heart traumatic, but I was there. So utterly traumatic. We went full circle today. Andrew, to quote the great Bruce Allen, you know, the culture is actually damn good. And that's what we're all about here at Real Take Sports. The culture, hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Real Take Sports Talk. Instagram, Real Take Sports Talk. Real Take Sports on Twitter, all that jazz. Check out realtakesports.com as well. Until next time, everyone, for Andrew, I'm Omer. Keep it real.